This podcast edition of Other Side of Texas is brought to you by our friends at Flint Boot and Hat, a West Texas original. You want a great hat or you want to make your boots great again, go see them at 3035 34th Street or Flint and 34th Street in Lubbock or see more at flinthat.com. I ran a cold front when I gave my truck the rent. Barreling down I-35 with one thought on my mind Forget the race, find an open space, be that city Hey there, howdy! Thank you for tuning in and Sorry, came in a little hot there. Uh, thank you for tuning in and telling a friend and to all you guys down there in Gigamville, Aggie Land. Thankful for all our new listeners and appreciate you tuning in as we talk about Regent Gate and whatever your implications might be within it here on the most talked about afternoon radio show. I'm, I'm almost willing to say in Texas. Because that's what podcast uh, ratings bear us to be, analytics. But I'll just say for West Texas right now. And thank you for telling your friends. You hang out on the other side of Texas. I'm your host, Jay West Texas Leeson. Uh, broadcasting from the Racer Car Wash Studios. Racer Car Wash voted Lubbock's best wash for five years running stop in to one of five convenient locations across the hub city for the best wash around guaranteed check them out find the best location for you when you're visiting for some texas tech action or otherwise maybe some court hearings or anything else that we have going on here in lubbock texas the biggest small town in the world racer wash You're welcome to be a part of today's program via text. Your thoughts on the text line, 806-745-5800. That's 806-745-5800. A lot of show coming ahead for you. We are going to get in with uh, State Representative John Frulo here in about uh, five five seven minutes and then we're going to roll into bob moore who's written a great piece about uh the black klansman that movie everywhere right now bob moore uh has a lot of insight ran a great piece in the texas monthly but we're going to begin where we need to begin on this broadcast and that is to update you we're going to talk about region gate here in just a minute but for right now it is going to be some Rager Gate action, the latest that's breaking out of Lubbock. So earlier today, what we had was a situation where uh, Vista Bank here out of Lubbock, and I'm going to start with, with KCBD and then move into the latest exclusive for you if you're listening at this time from Sarah Self Warbrick of the Avalanche Journal. This is the headline, KCBD. Amber Stiegel. Vista Bank sues First Capital Bank for $6 million, claims that Rick Dykes, son of Spike Dykes, used insider information. According to documents filed earlier this week, Vista Bank is suing First Capital, Brad Burgess, and Kenneth Burgess Jr. to recover more than $6 million in damages 
It claims First Capital inflicted the damages on Vista through inside information they obtained through their source relationship with Rick Dykes. Dykes is an insider of both Rager Dykes, because he's a co-owner, let me help you all there, and First Capital, where he has moved from the board to an advisor. The documents say the inside information allowed First Capital to benefit from the Rager Dykes check-kiting scheme. Uh, at Vista's expense. So let me first start with, like I was thinking about this today and I was thinking about the week that Lubbock has had and I got to thinking about what what does Google Analytics have to say about search terms right now across Lubbock? There's our, there's our keyboard. We, we got to figure this out. So what is check kiting? What is sequestration? Who is John Sharp? And yeah, you go down the. Who are the reg, regents of Texas Tech University? It's really going to be spectacular whenever we find those stats for this past week or so here in Lubbock. But essentially, what Vista Bank is arguing is that they had six million dollars in checks that were not delivered, and then First Capital responds. But let me just start with this. I'm not a banker. I just play one on the radio. And I'll say this, that if you're running a financial institution and you've got $6 million out that are being kited, then maybe at some, and all from one client, maybe at some point you decide, you know, we're going to start requiring that money be wired to us rather than written by checks and I again I'm not a banker but if I'm dealing with millions of dollars I'm going to say hey that, that stuff needs to be wired because you said more about your institution than you have uh, those against whom you are filing your lawsuit so on on Ragergate, I just got a phone with Sarah Self Warbrick. You can find her updated version at LubbockOnline.com. She'll be on this program tomorrow. We'll have an extended time. And the claim that is made in the Vista Bank filing is that Rick Dykes met with First Capital on July 31st and let them know that there was impending damage, according to the lawsuit. Uh, severe financial problems at Rager Dykes and that Ford Motor Credit uh, had a lawsuit. What First Capital's response, breaking just before the program, First Capital's response is that they met with Rick Dykes and counsel, met with First Capital after the lawsuit had been filed, and that it happened after, and they even cite Sarah Self Warbrick, Lubbock Avalanche Journal, is saying we met, no, hold on, all this broke right before I went on air. I'll try to reach out to Sarah to get clarification. But the argument, what I know the argument is, is that we went at this after the filing. We met with First Capital uh, CEO and chairman and maybe others, I'm not sure, but that meeting happened after the filing and that the cancel of payments happened at around, no, this was the difference, I'm sorry, 
I can't read my math here. Uh, the cancellation of payments happened at lunch on August the 1st after Sarah Self Warbrick had broken her peace. Uh, there at Lubbock Avalanche Journal, LubbockOnline.com. Now, what a uh, couple of things here. Uh, what what they are essentially, I just spoke with Sarah again. She's going to be on the show tomorrow. She says that this is a bohem quote, bohemically and vehemently denied the claims that Vista Bank laid down. Now, Vista Bank's CEO is an individual named John Steinmetz, and John Steinmetz has been widely reported by this program and others as one of the five who helped bring Robert Duncan to, and here's the phrase I'm going to use as we switch over into uh, from Rager Gate to Regent Gate. He's also on the Board of Regents at Texas Tech. And so, all I'd say, you know, I think that John Steinmetz is... uh, has plenty of questions to answer across two of the biggest stories that have hit Lubbock in quite some time. And uh, we're going to keep you updated on that. Uh, Vista Bank's chairman, Board of Regent, First Capital says, uh-uh, you ain't right. And that's where we leave it for now. As we get off of the monologue and head into a break, John Frulo is a state representative out of Lubbock and we've got him in an exclusive coming up he has his thoughts we'll ask the hard questions and we'll get to the bottom of his take on regent gate as we get in stick around don't go anywhere plenty of news coming up right here on the other side of texas hey thank you aggie land appreciate you listening I don't think the representative will disappoint. Be right back in about 90 seconds. And your loving makes a living worthwhile. Molded out of red clay and baked in the West Texas sun to perfection is the other side of Texas with Jay Leeson. Oh, hell, well, well, little things you say and do make me want to be with you. Rain on its crazy feeling and I know it's got me reeling when you say I love you. Hey, welcome back into the program so glad you're here with us this other side of texas edition is sponsored by the law firm of mullen horde and brown llp with offices in lubbock amarillo and dallas employing creative legal solutions to address your business needs in the areas of commercial litigation banking financial restructuring employment law and estate planning Well, he is a state representative out of House District 84, a member of the Texas legislature. He's a part of, well, he's sitting back watching all the news, I should say, uh, that's broken over the last few days, uh, about 10 days or so, and it's just crazy. And uh, Chairman John Frulo here with us on the program. Uh, Chairman... Thank you for coming in, bud. You bet, Jay, and good uh, afternoon or good evening. It's uh, 
Always a fun time to be here and listen to you. I, I think one thing I got to correct you. You said sitting back and watching this. Uh, there's not much sitting back going okay. on. Well, I'm just saying that. Well, let me just start with this question. And I'm, you're not here to talk about Rager Gate. We're going to talk about Regent Gate. But can you recall a news cycle in Texas over a 10 day period where you've seen what you've seen? over the last 10 days no not at all with both of those items and plus lisd school uh ratings coming out uh yesterday and we've we've got a lot of good things or a lot of things going on in lubbock not necessarily a lot of good things so where i want to begin and you're quite right what i meant by sitting back was you have to just be thinking holy cow i hadn't seen this city go through something like this um given Rager Dykes and then on over at Texas Tech. You first learned of Bob Duncan's retirement, sudden retirement when? It was a Monday after Monday evening, basically. Okay. Later in the day. And so uh did you hear from him directly or did you hear about it before? Sort of. I had a call from him on a phone, but I, I didn't have that phone with me. And so then I was actually calling Bob to see what happened after the news came out. And I looked and I saw they had the, the information. I called him at that point. And we so visited. he reached out to you. Sure. Yes. Earlier. Right. Before, like, we broke that on Monday night at 620. Yeah, it was before this. before. So right. he was already letting, he was calling people, letting them know. Correct. Yeah. So uh, your general thoughts, I mean, I don't think any of us saw this coming but your general thoughts when you got a hold when you heard the news and then whenever you called bob duncan well i think first off let's set the stage and that is uh how bob is thought of in austin and down in that area uh, i worked alongside bob in the house he was in the senate carried a number of bills i passed that uh, first session down there we worked together bob is an extremely as we know in this area well respected well liked uh, you know a very good negotiator mm-hmm. and uh if bob tells you something you know you can uh take it to the bank and go with it and uh, uh, very good so we look at that and we look at all the good things that have happened both while Bob has been was in the house then went on to the Senate uh, how this district uh, out here was taken care of and then um, you know his time as uh, the four years as Chancellor at Texas Tech the growth there the things that happened you know we look at the de- you know the dental school what's happening there and just throughout the whole system uh, Looking at that and knowing what we have going forward, it, it, it's pretty scary because Bob knew his way around on the budget. He, uh, you know, used to write the budget. Uh, I remember the... Uh, well, time out, time, time out. There are a lot of people, and we try, this is what I always say, Chairman, is we, the most important form of government in Texans' day-to-day life, the one that is the most influential is texas state government and so whenever you say that bob duncan was helping write the budget what i hear you say is somebody who knows a thing or two about the legislature well that's one of the most important roles you can play in the like then you're a bull in the legislature but what for new listeners uh, people who are just getting interested in texas government what does it mean to write a budget well, to know where the money is going, how it's being spent, uh, what things you can push, what areas you can work on, 
Um, Understanding the process to, you know, it's one thing to write it. It's another thing to get it passed. And so he understood how to do that and basically did a lot of that. He did it as a legislator. And then when it came time to be chancellor, he worked on that. Okay. So you say going forward, and correct me if I'm misquoting because I'm not listening to audio. This is live time. Uh, Going forward, this is scary. And and I'm going to ask you this question, just to follow up on what you just laid out. How many people know, how many brains in this state know the budgetary process of the Texas legislature like Bob Duncan? Well, very, very few. I mean, I don't know like what the three? number is. Well, I, I don't know number-wise. So give me over under five? Well, let's say less than a handful, a couple handfuls, less than a dozen. There's there's not a lot of people yep. that uh, know it to the level that he did and can understand it and, and know how to work with it. So that, that's going to be a uh, uh, you know tough person to replace. What happened here? What happened at the Regents meeting, to your knowledge, John Frulo, what have you learned? What do you know? What is the backstory on Bob Duncan? And first of all, before you answer that, are you, you call it scary, but do you think that there's been something done that's at least unethical by the Texas Tech Board of Regents? Well, I, I guess, first off, uh, whether or not it's uh ethical or not you know i don't know that i don't know enough about what happened there i don't think any of us do and nobody so, has told you anything john and so let me just preface well, that okay. let me preface that follow-up because i hear and i don't think like i could drop two names right now but i think it'd be inappropriate but i know some of the biggest texas tech boosters who say if you want something done for tech and you need somebody in the delegation in the at least the the near surrounding delegation, you got to go to John Frulo. And so you've worked very closely with Bob Duncan over these years that you've been in office. And it's surprising for you to come on the show and for you to say, I haven't gotten a straight conversation. Why has John Frulo not gotten a straight conversation about what happened? Well, I've got a, I've received a conversation of what is what what they say has happened, what happens, but it it doesn't. Some of it doesn't make sense. Like so, what? so we visited about what it is, and there was a disagreement. Can you say who we was? It's uh, uh, trustees. Uh, I've uh, met a with uh, a border regent, right? Uh, or the two chairman, or more. The chairman Rick Francis. Okay. We we visited, we talked, and basically it had to do with a difference of philosophy of where they were going in the running of the administrative budget at Texas Tech, and that's, of course, the area that the Chancellor's uh, office operates, roughly about $25 million. Okay, so that's more information than a lot of people have been given. Sure. You had a conversation with the chairman, Rick Francis, out of El Paso, where the new dental school is going to go. He said it was a disagreement about administrative... Well, there were some disagreements. We didn't get into a lot of the different details, but that was one of them. It was on the administrative uh, budget. That's very helpful, I would think, for listeners. So what he essentially said was this came down on administrative oversight growth of the administration did he get into that right right. it was the growth projected growth versus where it had been so this is my problem and i will say in conversations with bob duncan private offline it's always occurred to me that he knew where the line was with the regents and he he knew that he could only push so far so 
if that is, I have a hard time believing that they said no. It's he said make the line here on growth, and then they said no. It's way back here, and that Bob Duncan gets in a fluster and says, "Well, I quit. I'm going to resign." Because people with him like. Well, I'm not going to say you because I don't want to assume what your conversation with Bob Duncan was on that Monday evening. But I've spoken with several people, and they say, quote, he was devastated. That it was just a decision. I don't know why Siri just went off. Excuse me. But they say, you know, it, it was obvious to them. People have known him for 30 or more years who say this was not his will. This was something that happened in the executive meeting, and it forces resignation. But I have a hard time believing it's about growth of administration, John Farula. Yeah. So how much of this do you think has to do with the vet school? I think that there is a big chunk of it that has to do with the vet school and what happened if we go back to what happened last session, how that worked, how it transpired, how we ended up getting, you know, a little over $4 million into the budget. That was uh, uh, for $4 million out of a over $200 billion budget. That $4 million was tough to get in there. There was a lot of fighting going on there. Are there accounts true? Are the accounts that I've heard true that you work deals with, appropriations and others to get that four million through well i think a lot of us did there were things that uh, a lot of different folks did uh, to make that happen and to happen but it is and, true that you are an active participant playing political cards to get that appropriation done i, I thought it was impro uh, uh, important to get money in there okay. and, and we did it it wasn't as much as we initially wanted if you remember going back to that time i think we had about six million in the budget no. senate had none and then by the time we were done went through conference committee we ended up with uh, roughly about 4.2 million no. in the budget okay so uh, 4.17 to well, be precise 4 but, i rounded up but it was all a matter of essentially that it's just green light any appropriate whether it be ten dollars or it be four million or it be 17 million which is what i understand drew darby and kel Seliger went in with in the first place right whatever you got into the budget was effectively a green light yeah, i would say it was a lot more a qualitative amount than a quantitative amount the money was no. important and that was enough to get the the initial work done uh, but, yep. yeah, just the fact that there was money in there, that was a big okay. deal. Okay, so here is State Representative, a chairman in the Texas House, John Frulo. And so, John Frulo, there will be, like you said, some very, uh, very nice things about the chancellor there. But, again, people know, people in the political know that if you want things done in Austin, uh, out of Lubbock, you got to go... I mean, Frulo has to be a guy that you go to. Well, there's and a so, lot of good folks that okay, can get things done for this area and do work fine, for. But we we work saying, together out here, okay. so I wouldn't say that. But well, I, appreciate, I, I mean, I appreciate the I appreciate the humility, but that's what people say. Okay, so back on this vet school thing, how much do you think? And I know you've had conversations with people and been given privy on conversations but how much of this decision came down on the vet school because that's how it's being portrayed in the media well I you know as far as this decision in the vet school I don't know the thing that uh, adds a little bit of confusion to it is coming out with the statement that uh, uh, the press release that happened yesterday about going forward with the vet school so I think it's 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 a little bit murky yeah so John Frulo I want to ask you this question 
people offline and even some of your peers this is the way that they describe so the regent said you know we we didn't take a vote but there was some and my understanding is that it was an executive meeting and it wasn't a vote but everybody went around the table over the course of four hours and it was pretty clear what i can logically deduce is that bob duncan at the end of those four hours heard that if well that he had five against them over whatever the conversation was francis whoever whoever's right that duncan just decided you know what i hate this but i'm i'm done i'm gonna i'm going to resign so but here's here's how i've heard people some of your cohorts describe it that that bet school is adventure is is a lot like deadliest catch you know the tv show these shrimpers crabbers everything else going out into hostile seawaters and there's only one guy who could get them through and navigate through that storm and they've said that one guy in the analogy that in the next legislature it's going to be a series of sea storms and there is one guy who could get through the vet school and that's bob duncan you concur with that or not? Well, I, you know, I'm not going to say that one guy makes the whole university. We've got a $1.5 billion university system there, and there's a lot of good folks there. There's a lot of uh, good folks in the House and the Senate working and keeping an eye out for Texas Tech, for Texas, and uh, I think that uh, we can get it uh, done, hopefully. Um, I think it would have been easier with Bob, but I'm not saying it can't get done without Bob, and I, I think that's a, more of a, you know, a, a comment on all, everybody else that's working for the same items. Mm -hmm. But uh, again, it would have been easier if Bob was there. Uh, again, I, I think the one thing we need to stress is we still have a university there. We've got a great story. We've got an unbelievable story over the last year. You know, you look at what all's going on throughout the whole system with El Paso. Uh, Angelo stayed up in uh, Amarillo. Uh, we've got a lot of good things. We need to make sure we take care of that. And I, I think the other thing we need to look at is the regents and what we do. And one of the things that the folks around here can look at and work and make sure that we're doing is putting people in for those positions as a regent for Texas Tech from Lubbock. How, right now, go ahead. How much over a legislative session, and I know I realize that you have now, you've worked with two chancellors at Texas Tech. Correct with Kent Hans and with Bob Duncan. But my first question is, how much coordination would you have with Duncan over the source of a session over the course of a session? And who's your point person now? Because I'm told that they're going to go through an eight month uh, process to find the next chancellor. And if I'm counting correctly, they'll find a new chancellor about the end of the legislature. Uh, the next the 86th legislature coming up in January. So have you been given any clue into this is going to be your main point of contact as we go through? And it, I'm not saying that you're automatically going to do the bidding of anybody, but who's the contact person now at Texas Tech? Well, I, I guess with this all transpiring and being, uh, you know, let uh, public earlier this week just a few days ago we really don't have a point person in the position of chancellor is that why you uh, call it scary 
Well, I think it's scary just from the standpoint of the institutional knowledge, and that's a big term that we use down there that has to do with how the institution runs, uh, without having Bob Duncan there. Yeah. Now, that's not to say that other people aren't going to step up, that uh, we aren't going to be able to um, work and get things accomplished and uh, you know continue the, the progress that Texas Tech has made. But it, it's definitely easier when you have somebody that you've been working with. Mm-hmm. So, Tom texting in, what about Aggie collusion? John Prulo, what do you make of claims that people like myself, and you're welcome to just call me a fool on my own radio program. What do you make of, and to be fair, your cohort, Dustin Burroughs, has said, you know, he's really concerned about what's going on here. State Senator Charles Perry has, I would say, said everything but Aggie collusion, that this was a political decision by big political leaders which would say that it's not necessarily about administrative growth um what do you make of are you concerned about aggie collusion and that there were people invested at a&m who didn't want to see a vet school go through and through whatever means influenced border regents at texas tech university well, there's no secret. There are people at A&M that were against the vet school. They didn't want it. Uh, there are also a lot of people out here that w- attended A&M, went to A&M. They bleed maroon, and they were for the vet school. They understand the need out here. They understand what that would mean to have a vet school set up like we plan on setting up that can do the large animal uh veterinarian work and they're for it so even though so i wouldn't just cast a blanket and say a and m is against the vet school certain people are i think you know certain aren't but the brass at and i'll just say this from my own experience i wrote a piece on the chronology of events and quite frankly how bob duncan was kicking john sharp chancellor of texas a and m university how he's just kicking his rear legislatively and through process because as you say Maybe 12 people know the budgetary process like Bob Duncan. And it just kicked his rear. And and John Sharp fired off two days later. Certainly you've heard rumors of how how active John Sharp has been in this process. But you don't think that they were somehow involved in the ouster of what I'm characterizing as the ouster of Bob Duncan? Well, I, I don't know that, so I'm not, I can't say that. But, uh, you know, that could be a, a, a plausible story and I think that there's a, a lot of folks that uh, believe that but yeah. I don't have any evidence that that happened um, I, I think that it is interesting again we look at the investment that uh, A&M made in Amarillo right after we got our program going mm-hmm. in, in, in Canyon in, in, yeah. exactly in Canyon and um, so, so you look at that and you go, okay, what all's going on here? There, there is a fight there, and uh, I think that uh, Duncan was getting the better part of the deal. The governor comes to town next Wednesday, and the governor going on record over the last 24 hours saying effectively he did not have anything to do with this. Uh, what do you make of the governor's story? Well, I mean, the, the, the governor's speaking for himself. I, you know, I can't say anything in addition to what he said. If he said he didn't, then I have no... Uh, you know other information than that okay so i I don't want to speak for the governor yeah so Uh, he'll be out here so ask him then yeah be here next wednesday (laughs) that's right and uh you don't have to have any comment on this but i would uh 
certainly be willing to call it what may be one of the most awkward political fundraisers in Lubbock in some time. John Frulo, state representative out of Lubbock, speaking candidly with us on the other side of Texas. Carry on for about four more minutes or so. Uh, I've asked you the questions I had lined up. What would you like listeners in Lubbock and outside uh, to know about the situation over the last week? Well, I guess the one thing is we need, and we started talking about that a little bit earlier, is there are appointments. The governor appoints uh, the, uh, folks to the Board of Regents. We need to look at that. Right now, there is nobody on the board that is from, that is, you know, a Lubbock resident. You find that problematic. Well, I think that it, uh, we need somebody from there. In the past, we've had, you know, many uh, regents that are live here in Lubbock, they make Lubbock their home, and I think that's important. I think that uh, that uh, adds uh, more flavor to the decision-making process. Okay. I guess if flavor yeah. is the right term, but you know, it gives us a different basis rather than people coming in from uh, you know uh, all around this area, but not really living here. Yeah, well, and see, this is the response I've gotten. We've got people. We have. We have some direct sources, and you'll begin to hear about this over the next few days. But John Frulo, there are people who say, you know, that the vet school was never quite uh, represented the way it should have been within the Board of Regents because you don't have anybody from Lubbock or Amarillo. Uh, you have a couple on west of I-35, but by and large, east of I-35. And Duncan's vision, so far as telemedicine, so far as access, and even with what the Health Sciences Center has been named, the Texas Tech Health Sciences Center, uh, Longren, and with Ted Mitchell's leadership, that this is going to be the model that they use for school safety to evaluate kids. And it's already been used for some, like, four, is it 40 or 400,000 kids or something like that? But... Uh, this is a model that they want to implement across the state that derived out of Lubbock, and it really it really burns a lot of people up locally. And I've heard people tell stories about <coughs> how these regions are scared in different adjectives because they are surprised that Lubbock has had the response that it has in the ousting of Bob Duncan. So back to the point, what I want to ask you: what can what can you do? to help there be regents from the... Re like, I can't imagine that A&M doesn't have a few people in the Houston area, right? And so locally, but I, it is befuddling that we don't have more representation on the Board of Regents from locals. What can you do? Well, I think first policy? off, we need people to apply for that. If, if people aren't applying, then there's really... Uh, it's hard to pick them. So we need people around here that are... Uh, knowledgeable and understand what's going on or part of that process and actually submit an application and, and then let people know that they're submitting that application we can uh, uh, get information out you know it's real easy to say mm -hmm. we're not picking anybody out of Lubbock because nobody's applied I don't know if that what the case is there but we need people there to apply and say I want to be a part of that and I want to help run this great institution mm -hmm. that we have okay what's another thing that listeners need to know well, I think that another item is that, uh, you know, in the state Senate, uh, we they are uh, folks that approve the folks that uh, um, the, go through the confirmation process. So with, uh, you know, Charles Perry, uh, Seliger, we need uh, representation on that nominations committee to help mm -hmm. get that going. And uh, I think that's an important process, too. So that's going to become, so far as Lubbock and 
I'm going to call it Caprock because I hate the term South Plains, but so far as Caprock representation, and I would have to think that your cohorts in Amarillo are on board too to really try to change the way in which regents are nominated, um, how you get more representation from the place in which the school resides. I think that's important. Yeah. Uh, anything else before we get you off? Yeah, I think you've got a busy week uh, ahead and probably enough material here to last a couple of weeks. Well, John Frulo, we appreciate you coming by, and that's some good information. And I know that it's not an easy position to be in right now, and uh, we appreciate you being candid with us here on the program. Thank you, sir. And I'd be lying if I said I didn't quite frankly uh, expect you to be so here on the other side of Texas. John Frulo, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Going to get into a break and come back with you. we got Bob Moore wrote a big piece on the Black Klansman. You've heard about the movie. You can hear a first account right here on the other side of Texas. Stick with us about 90 seconds from now. Title One Lubbock's Digital Real Estate and Title Escrow Company. Uh, Title One's committed to providing you with the highest level of communication and service from the time the contract opens until it closes. See how Title One can serve your realty, consumer, and lending needs at TitleOne.com. Go out to the lines. We do have Bob Moore, who's written a great piece in the Texas Monthly about the Black Klansman and some Texas roots there. Somebody who knows a lot more about this story than anybody else. A movie out, and I hadn't seen it yet, and uh, I'm going to go see it after I talk with Bob Moore here. Bob Moore, how are you? Doing great. How are you today, Jake? Good. Uh, so, this is, I'm just going to read the first paragraph, and we'll go from there, in your Texas Monthly article that uh, went crazy and it is this that um well i hope that i still have it i I think i do all this news broke right before the program bob it kind of knocked me off of what i had going uh as ron stallworth prepares for nationwide release of black klansman a film based on his experience as a police officer infiltrating the u.s's most notorious white supremacy group he has repeatedly fielded an obvious question how could a black cop pull off something like this even by phone with people whose identities hinged on whiteness how did tell us about Ron Stallingsworth, Bob Moore, and how he pulled this off? So uh, we're talking about uh, uh, Colorado Springs, Colorado, uh, in uh, late 1978 and early 1979. And Ron was the first black detective on the Colorado Springs Police Department, and he saw a classified ad in one of the newspapers in Colorado Springs one day. Uh, it was basically a solicitation for information about. The, the KKK uh, at, at, with a local P.O. box. And so uh, pretty much on a lark, he decided to respond to that by mail. Uh, and then a couple of weeks later, he got a call from uh, 
what turned out to be one of the organizers of uh, the Ku Klux Klan in Colorado Springs. Um, the uh, police chief uh, uh, approved an intelligence investigation. Um, so Ron continued to make phone contact with uh, uh, the, the Klan leaders, uh, eventually including uh, uh, David Duke, who was uh, the Grand Wizard of one branch of the Klan in, in, in Louisiana. David Duke, of course, went on to a lot of notoriety over the years. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, obviously, in the course of an investigation like that, uh, you know, when you have to do a face-to-face -face interview uh, or a meeting, uh, Ron couldn't do that. So they had another uh, officer uh, who was a, a narcotics officer help them out, and he would go to these face-to-face -face meetings. Uh, and all along, even though these two officers sounded completely different, Nobody ever quite picked up on the idea of, hey, you don't sound like that guy I was talking to on the phone. Uh, and, and interestingly enough, uh, a few months into the investigation, David Duke came to Colorado Springs for an event, and I don't, I don't know if the police chief had a sense of humor or what he was doing, but he assigned Ron to be the security for David Duke when he was in Colorado Springs, and wow. so they met face-to-face -face and talked, and David Duke never thought, hey, I've heard this voice somewhere before. Uh, so it was a very uh, interesting investigation. Uh, ultimately, it never yielded any arrests, uh, and they, they wound up having to shut it down because the, uh, the Klan leader in Colorado Springs was a, a soldier at the Fort Carson Army base and was getting ready to leave the Army and go back to home to San Antonio, and the local Klan group uh, decided they wanted Ron Stallworth to be the uh, new head of the... Uh, Clan in Colorado Springs, and that caused a lot of uh, uh, problems, not, not least of which is entrapment, uh, and you obviously have to be very careful with undercover investigations. Mm -hmm. So uh, once it got to that level, uh, the police chief ordered the uh, investigation shut down and ordered Ron to destroy all of the files because he was worried about uh, negative publicity if it would ever surface. Wow. Uh, uh, and Ron this is what year? destroy the files. At what year are we wanting to destroy these files? 1978 and or 1979, spring of 1979. At this point. Mm. Okay. Huh. But Ron, uh, Ron took them home instead of destroying them and, and held on to them for uh, the following decades. Uh, and then uh, a couple of years ago, he decided he wanted to write a book about uh, uh, this investigation, and those files proved very valuable for the book. The book uh, is what eventually became. Uh, the movie directed by Spike Lee and produced by Jordan Peele that's out now. Wow. So, Bob Moore. Uh, you know, at Bob Moore News on Twitter, you contribute. What, how do I refer to you correctly with the Texas? Uh, you've written a lot for the Texas Monthly. Uh, yeah, I'm, a, I'm an independent journalist based in El Paso, and I write for uh, Texas Monthly, the Washington Post, and a couple of other uh, no. uh, publications. Uh, but I'm, I'm based in El Paso, and I should say... That's where Ron grew up, yes, and, and that's so, where but, he lives now, and that's how I came across it. But whenever, whenever Ron was growing up, historically, El Paso, a 5% African-American population? Yeah, so it's a very, very small population. A, a lot of it is tied to the military. Um, uh, uh, Fort Bliss is obviously a huge presence in El Paso, but Ron didn't have direct military ties. His mother moved him out here in 1957. Uh, when he was four years old, uh, and they originally lived in what was the historically black neighborhood uh, in El Paso. 
uh, and then uh, they started building I-10 through and other changes were going on. So that old neighborhood kind of got dismantled and uh, uh, African-Americans in El Paso wound up living uh, kind of all over the, the city. Uh, and that created some challenges for Ron, and I, I talk about this in the Texas Monthly article. You know, he initially, when he was going to grade school, there are a lot of uh, black kids in, in the elementary school with him. But when his mother moved him away as all these changes were taking place, he and his brother were the only um, black kids in the middle school. Then when he uh, 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 was getting ready to go to Austin High School, uh, he found himself in this situation where a lot of the black kids he had known in elementary school were now going to high school there. The white kids he'd gotten to know at middle school were there. And so, you know, there's a question of where did he fit in? Uh, uh, and he really uh, believes that sort of the, the, the racial makeup in El Paso, and of course, going unmentioned in all of this, is the vast majority of students he was going to school with were Hispanic. Uh, so he, he believes that he, growing up in El Paso as a black kid, allowed him to move back and forth uh, uh, between racial and ethnic groups that uh, mm. a lot of folks don't have the opportunity to do. And he really believed that that background uh, is what set the stage for him to be able to penetrate the Klan and, you know, convince uh, uh, some of the world's worst white supremacists that they were on the phone with, with a white guy and they never mm. suspected any different. That's so. So he learned that back and forth early. That's so interesting. Yeah. He he learned how to work different groups. Not to say that um, the Hispanics or the whites with whom he went to school were supremacists, but he definitely learned the knack for it there. That's that's so great. Uh, if do you know him well enough that uh, we could put him on three way right now, Bob Moore? Uh, he's out traveling. He's a world celebrity now. Yeah, uh, I would bet. I, I have, I've kind of lost track of where he is, but he's going around the country uh, uh, doing these talks uh, uh, at Alamo Draft Houses, wherever the, the movie's showing. So, uh, mm. uh, But he, he would I'd, uh, be glad to put in a word for you, and I'm sure he'd be happy to uh, to be on the show when, uh, 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 when he has a free moment. Uh, uh, and it's definitely worth having a conversation with him, both, both Ron and his wife Patsy are just wonderful people, uh, deeply, deeply thoughtful people, uh, uh, and it's just been a real pleasure to get to know them the last few months. How did Spike Lee come across this this story? So it actually starts with with Jordan Peele, uh, uh, who you know has had uh, had a comedy show on uh, uh, on Comedy Central, uh, uh, Key and Peele, and then last year he had this uh, breakout success with a movie called Get Out. Uh, 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 and so Jordan Peele had come across this story uh, 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 and had been floating around Hollywood for several years and it never quite got made and, and Jordan Peele got really interested in it and was originally going to direct it and then uh, when he looked at the complexity of the story he, he thought, you know, I'm just not prepared yet to direct a movie like this but I know somebody who is and he reached out to Spike Lee uh, and Spike read the story uh, read the beginnings of the script and just said, uh, count me in. And then uh, Spike uh, played a big role in sort of reworking the script a little bit. Uh, uh, the screenplay was written by a, a couple of young, uh, uh, newer screenwriters that didn't have a lot of experience, and it was really uh, uh, Spike's uh, uh, genius that kind of led to the final product. Wow. So in your conversations, has he... Has he ever regretted anything that he had to participate in uh, with the Klan? 
either through integration, phone call, or uh, I don't mean integration in a typical racial sense, but right. being integrated into that uh, crazy community, uh, was he ever, did he ever feel like he might have been complicit in something? No, the, the, the one thing that's haunted him, though, over the years, and, and I uh, touched on this in a story I wrote for the uh, Colorado Springs Gazette newspaper, that, you know, I mentioned earlier that they'd shut down the investigation after about six months. And this was at a time when the Klan was really going through a resurgence in Colorado Springs and Colorado more generally. Um, and about five years after um, the uh, investigation was shut down, there was an awful crime in Denver where uh, uh, a white supremacist terrorist group called The Order uh, assassinated a radio talk show host mm. uh, named Alan Berg. Hey, I kind of uh, felt like I would be in that situation over the last couple of weeks, but go ahead. Yeah, so so, so you know the you know the feeling. And, no, and man, but I've got rigid. so much ammunition up here; it's crazy. But go ahead. <laughs> but so you know, Berg was murdered, and it turned out the getaway driver uh, in in the Berg assassination was one of the guys that Ron was investigating uh, back in, in 1979. Hmm. So he's always just been haunted by you know if they'd been able to continue the investigation. Um, uh, you know, could they have maybe prevented this? And, and I talked to one of the, the leading experts on uh, white supremacists, a guy named uh, uh, Martin Pitkavich, who's now mm -hmm. based in Columbus, Ohio, but interestingly enough, happens to be from El Paso originally, too. And, and, and Martin said that um, these people that Ron uh, were, uh, was dealing with really didn't become radicalized for another two or three years. And so continuing the investigation probably would not have, have altered history. But I think it's, it's a good reminder. Uh, it, it, a lot of what the Klan has done over the years borders on the buffoonish, uh, and that's certainly captured in, in both Ron's book and the movie. But th these are also potentially uh, very dangerous people, uh, uh, and, and, and that's something worth, worth keeping in mind. Uh, uh, and, and Ron was, you know, engaged with some people who were out to do serious harm. Uh, and, you know, while they never made any arrests in the investigation, he's very uh, proud that they prevented uh, uh, three or four cross burnings that had been planned for, for Colorado Springs while the investigation hmm. was going on. Hmm. So uh, how many times have you seen the movie now? I think it's been out about a week. So I, I, I saw it. Uh, I was fortunate enough, Ron uh, raised for me to see a screening about a month ago. So I've only seen it the one time, but my wife hasn't seen it yet, so she and I are planning on going out again uh, uh, next week to see it. And it, it was hard for me to, to sit through the movie for, for a lot of reasons, uh, but, you know, it, it's, it's based on Ron's book, but, you know, this is Hollywood, and so there's a lot of uh, liberties taken uh, to, to advance the story. Uh, but once I sort of got my mind in the right place and, you know, it said, just let the story flow. I, I think it's a very, very powerful movie. Uh, it's generally got tremendous reviews. Uh, it was released last week on the first anniversary of Charlottesville, and that was quite deliberate. Uh, and I'm not spoiling anything by saying that Spike Lee brings Charlottesville in at the end of the movie, I think in a very powerful way uh, uh, that makes what happened 40 years ago in this investigation uh, very timely and very real. Hmm. Bob Moore. I want to just refer people to you on Twitter at Bob Moore News and 
the title of the piece is The Real Black Klansman is a Texan there at Texas Monthly, texasmonthly.com. Bob Moore, thank you for taking time. We appreciate you. Thank you for inviting me. Well, we'll uh, we'll talk again soon. The next, we'll look at pieces to come. Thank you, Bob Moore. Okay. Glad to help. Uh, Going to jump off and get into our last break. Hey, I've got something great to show you in the next segment. You want to stay right there? Uh, keep us tuned in here. AM 580 Lubbock as we stream live. And then as uh, we get in, uh, as you're listening to the podcast, don't drop off yet. Got something classic for you coming up right here where Buddy Holly became famous in these studios. Be back in about 90 seconds. Jay West Texas Leeson here. I'm going to tell you about my friends at Flint Boot and Hat. They've been building hats since 1994 and repairing boots, I guess, since forever. My dog chewed up my ostrich boots. Jared and his guys replaced the heel, made them look new again, put new pulls on, and at a super affordable price, they've resold my boots and they build great hats. Love these guys. WTAccessoryDepot.com. When you're best friends with the founder of the Lubbock County Militia, you get your own radio show. It's The Other Side of Texas with Jay Leeson. One night in Kansas City, after we had played the show, shots rang out as I stumbled home. So I hid behind the dumpster. Hey, uh, the rest of this edition of Other Side of Texas brought to you by Lubbock File Room. Providing safe and secure document storage and shredding services to Lubbock and the surrounding area since 1992. I do not make this advertisement for people who may or may not be in trouble at whatever location in Lubbock. It seems like there are a lot of them, but I can tell you what I did uh, just recently. I've told stories about where I first got involved with Lubbock File Room, and we keep on using them. We, you know, we'll store up that junk mail, the stuff that we don't shred. There's too much of it that comes. We got the bin, and we take it into Lubbock File Room. Love those guys. For a free and hassle-free estimate, call 806-744-7666. 806-744-7666. LubbockFileRoom.com. So we've searched far and wide for the best way and, and spent a lot of time trying with all of our Regergate news. Uh, we, we've said, and news has just come too fast, and we've been wanting to do some segments on what do you got. And we're going to start this tomorrow right here on the show. What do you got? And it comes from audio that has been confirmed is real from uh, officials at Rager Dykes Auto Group uh, came after the lawsuit by Ford and uh, the audio says some pretty uh, Bart Rager says some pretty explosive things in the audio so we thought that what we would do is start having a what do you got segment on the show and Daniel have you got that audio ready 
just uh, blink once for yes, no for twice. Okay, there it is. Uh, we've already played it early in the commercial break. Sorry for the miscue. Uh, but uh, here you go. Starting tomorrow, right here on the other side of Texas. You're exclusive. What do you got? Here's the ditty. <laughs> have that to look forward to in the days to come hey i appreciate sarah self warbrick getting with us uh, right before the show got going uh, you know you've made it whenever you're named in lawsuits and you aren't being accused of anything but you're being <laughs> used as a timestamp. sarah self warbrick with us tomorrow brandon darby on the road getting stuff done for his family won't be in tomorrow but we will talk with sarah self warbrick get a weekend update uh, i say weekend and i don't mean to sound like saturday night live what i am saying is that uh, we'll have her come on and give us all the latest with Rager Gate. And as I said earlier, uh, you guys have really uh, such a great audience. Um, thank you for sending tips and leads to J at J A Y at other side of Texas.com. Lots of that has uh, been really helpful in both Rager Gate and Regent Gate and, uh, we got a lot coming up for you on that front and so i'm gonna get home gotta get home my boys i promised them that tonight we would play some wwe and i just let me just say one quick word this is dad tip whenever i was in ministry working with kids i would always tell volunteers that went with us on trips or wanted to do some mentoring with kids and this isn't just in church activities just in general the best way to approach kids is to utilize things that you know and love and so lots of people have memories of you know it might be texas tech um to you guys down there in college station listening tell john sharp i said hello it may be a&m football uh, ou football fishing just uh, cars uh, whatever it might be and take kids along and they will love it just because it's something that you love and they love adults who are in a good mood there's no use in being in a bad mood around a kid i mean give them a break but uh, one thing that i love i love tecmo bowl and i love old school what we call wwf and so this wwe 2018 i can play with the boys and we can play and play and play and then we accumulate points and we can we can get dusty roads we can unlock him and we can unlock ultimate warrior and jake the snake roberts and and andre the giant who they love like they're like was he really a real man he was a, and so we'll have to watch princess bride to prove it to him um anyway we've got a good hour and a half coming up uh, me and the boys wwe and then we're going to get back to it here after I spend some time with my beautiful wife, who's not seen me over the past couple of nights for reasons that uh, you can believe, uh, following up on Rager Gate and Regent Gate. 
but I'm going to get home. Got to get home to a great family, above average dinner. Thank you so much for making this program what it is and sharing with friends. It is free. A pretty popular podcast, and I just so much appreciate uh, all your support and you listening. For John Frulo, for Bob Moore, and we'll hear from Sarah Self Warbrick tomorrow. Thank you for tuning in to this edition of The Other Side of Texas. And stay tuned at OSTX Show on Twitter, Facebook, uh, Other Side of Texas, Other Side of Texas.com. We'll see you tomorrow right here on the other side come hang out with us here at am 580 love it it's who we want to be